You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. Welcome to yet another episode of Cure to Consumption. I am your host, Lance Lambert. Good to be with you again. Pretty stoked today, you know. In recent months, we've had several friends from the international space come online and definitely making sense. You know, you guys, there's a lot going on. A lot of people... uh, not, not to pick on North America, you know, there's a lot going on in America, a lot going on in, in Canada, but the international movement is real, you guys. There's over 40 countries internationally that have some sort of legal cannabis program. And I'm really excited for the guests that we have on to talk about this today. We have Dan O'Brien and uh, definitely Dan from Cocoa Plants is just an absolute rock star with what he has going on specifically in Costa Rica. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the Latin American or LATAM market. Uh, most people know what's going on down in South America, uh, Colombia definitely being a predominant uh, country down there. But there's a lot going on in Central America. There's a lot going on in specifically Mexico. But Dan, are you there joining us today? I am. Hey, man, how's it going? Uh, great to be on the phone. and. Uh very happy to speak with you guys and share a little bit of news on what's happening down here in Costa Rica. Yeah, exactly, man. Thanks for coming on. And um, definitely looking forward to jumping into Costa Rica. This timing couldn't be better because um, I know we were just catching up uh, right around MJ Biz and was really hoping to have you come up and see you in person. But uh, there was some, some stuff going on as far as the status of legalization. But before we get to that... Just to hear a little bit about your story and your background, uh, I know uh, just in the the short time we've known each other, I know how passionate you are about the movement, about legalization in general, but um, what got you into it and and how did you end up? Because obviously not to stereotype, Dan O'Brien is not a a traditional name that you'd hear in Costa Rica. So a little bit of background about how you got to where you are and and what brought you there. Sure, man. Sure. So... Yeah, I got into cannabis. Uh, well, I mean, first, I'm a product of the, uh, you know, dare, say no to drugs, <laughs> your brain on drugs with the, yep. you know, the egg and the skillet. Oh, and, yeah. uh, you know, really fear-mongering a lot of kids into, you know, not trying drugs. And I, I totally agree and understand. And, you know, as, as a father, I'm very cautious as well with, yep. you know, how these are, are portrayed towards our kids and marketed. And um, But I, I do see the fact that there is a, a ton of potential for the plant. And so... I got into cannabis when my dad had throat cancer. Um, oh, wow. A friend of mine turned me on to, to a couple documentaries, and I really started, uh, you know, opening my eyes to what the possibilities of this plant, and you know, reading, you know, RSO Rick Simpson oil, yep. and, and yep. seeing the results that people were having with anti-cancer and, and tumor properties. It was really interesting to me, and and that's kind of what jumped it off. And I started taking plant material and making medicine for my dad, and and really starting to, to learn my craft a little bit. Uh, and then that, in the future, kind of got into then stepping backwards. All right, where's the plant come from? How do we grow the plant? How do you create a, you know, a full system that, uh, uh, that, that monitors the plant and, and what comes out of it and, and how to use it? And so that's just kind of been my process over the last few years. And uh, I've had a couple companies, an uh, entrepreneur out of, out of Texas, and um, a few years ago, my business partner and I had a CBD company, and he was Colombian. 
and we went down to Columbia, uh, interested in the, the cannabis industry down there, and then kind of quickly realized how dangerous and um, <laughs> yeah. it just wasn't a, a market I was interested in being, you know, involved with, with kids and, and my safety. And so we moved to Costa Rica um, because some of my friends and clients had bought some houses here, and uh, we started raising our family and just kind of knew that cannabis eventually would would transfer down to Central and South America, and we wanted to be here and understand you know, the climate, the condition, the culture, and everything. So yeah. I've been in Costa Rica now for about five and a half years, I'm a, a resident, and uh, spent a lot of times on farms and working with locals and, and really understanding, you know, what it is to be here and, and, and what it's going to take and the challenges that we're going to we're gonna face in, in the cannabis space. Now, it's really interesting, and um, I think I've shared with you before, you know, writing this monthly column for MG Magazine, uh, you know, Industry Magazine, and uh, it's funny you mentioned Colombia. That was one of the countries covered many, you know, South Africa and um, you know Australia and in all around the world, really. But when I got to Colombia, I was really interested on the history. But um, to your point, it's it's um, it, it's a it's a tough place. Like to your point, you know, there was a lot of a lot of people don't understand, especially Americans, that there was uh, you know civil unrest and and obviously you know unrest amongst the government there. Uh, back in the 90s and things have gotten much better but to your point um, it's still it's still a market that uh, is a little a little sketch I hate to say even though it has such a exuberant amount of potential um, as it pertains no, to cannabis uh, right absolutely and, and, and I, was, I was actually in Bucaramanga about five weeks ago looking at uh, a couple growing facilities some extraction facilities and uh, and one food um, production plant that has a pharmaceutical license and, and I was very interested to go down and learn the ecosystem and, and really see not just what they intended it to be, but also what it really turned out to be and, and, and hear from the growers and the extractors and, and really understand the challenges that they're facing because working here with Costa Rica, with, you know, the Ministry of Agriculture and, and INTA and trying to design, you know, a better mousetrap, if you will, that's, that's, yeah. that's our goal is we can take lessons we've learned in other markets and, you know, the pain and struggle that everybody else has paid for and really kind of build upon it and, and uh, and hopefully create something that's that's a lot better for business, that's a lot better for consumers, and you know, and at the same time, put some money back into the government's pocket to to be able to provide better services, ultimately for its citizens, and, and that's kind of what it's all about. So I'm happy to be a part of it, and and excited to see where this goes. It's been um, a very long <laughs> roller coaster <laughs> ride of a of a trip, but I, I've en- I've enjoyed it on its ups and downs. So yeah, you've been uh, you've been dedicated, man. That's for sure. And uh, just our conversations, you know, even just going back and forth uh, contextually, you know, it motivated me to actually write an article on on Costa Rica and just its background and its association with the plant and status of legalization, which is always a, a talking point when kind of looking from a country to country perspective on relationship with cannabis. And um, it's interesting. Uh, Costa Rica, I found, is it's kind of different, their outlook towards the plant versus uh, even neighboring countries, even versus Panama or Nicaragua. Um, But also the fact that, you know, they have a very level, you know, one to two percent variance on GDP. And yeah, the employment rate's a little bit higher, but that's kind of synonymous with uh, you know, with Latin countries, you know, the, the kind of manana, manana, stay at home and then start your career once you get married kind of approach towards, uh, you know, toward, towards life. But um, it has great potential. And I think one thing that you pointed out is interesting is, is your partners getting, I mean, you having your family down there and having partners that purchased homes. 
Um, you know, we're going to be coming down and, and we'll be getting into it just now, but it's interesting. Uh, my CEO, that's one of the things he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm coming down on this trip. He's like, even if it's just carrying your luggage, <laughs> he's all, he's all, I want to come down and check it out. And I'm like thinking about the expat future, huh? And he's like, yeah, he's like, it's a great place. And I'm like, I totally agree. I've got friends that, to your point that are our age. I'm not talking about like, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, like younger guys like us, they're like, I'm done. I'm ready to move now and live the dream and have, you know, great place to go surfing, an affordable home, uh, you know, fairly nice, you know, still that kind of first world vibe as far as, um, again, as far as economy and, and uh, you know, the rest of it. But man, it, it really is positioned for uh, being quite a powerhouse, right? As far as cannabis goes in, in Central and South America. Yeah, it, it really is. And I, I enjoy the climate down here a lot more. Um, you know, when we first came down, Costa Rica is one of those really unique places in the world, and, and it's one of the reasons why I've kind of picked it as, you know, my passion project, because there are tons of different microclimates. There are a lot of different areas in the country. We have a very stable year-round climate, so it's it fluctuates uh, in seasons, particularly kind of like the states, but we go through yeah. like a wet and a dry season. And so throughout the year, you've got pretty temperament climates that... Uh, are great for growing. Um, you know, as we're working through, there's quite a few places we found where we can get four cycles in a year down here. Wow. So you start looking at, you know, nice. reusing a piece of land and, and being able to turn it over when you get to a commercial scale and your scalability and trying to, to drive profits with, with material that's created. It's, you know, it's one of the most ideal places and it's somewhat synonymous with quality agriculture products. We already export bananas and pineapples and papayas and yeah. all kinds of amazing produce that comes out of this country. So for me, you know, cannabis is an agriculture product and I, I really look for, you know, a system that has a strong backbone that can be able to handle, you know, not only the labor, but the production, the storage, uh, you know, Costa Rica has got quite a bit of that here. Uh, and I'm excited to, to really kind of work with it and see how we can, we can, we can better ourselves, uh, in, in this space and, and not just yeah. with the medical and the therapeutic marijuana, but, but ultimately into the hemp space where we can start working on creating some base materials, um, you know, and, and start to steer away from a lot of the plastics. Yeah, that's an excellent point. A lot of people don't realize anything you can make with petroleum, you can make with hemp, right? I mean, this is, I was mm -hmm. taken aback by, you know, just scientists and doctors too, you know, scientists specifically on that front over the years that I've come across that, you know, shared that, you know, if, if you actually... Um, manufacture it correctly that hemp products can be on par with carbon fiber as far as tensile strength and I was just totally taken aback because I was part of that generation where we saw you know things evolve in the race industry from fiberglass to carbon fiber and, and knowing how hard and how rigid that material is and then to be told that something that's 100% you know natural non-petroleum based I, I was just totally again just totally floored so, and, and you guys, you have an advantage too, right? I mean, there's several ports there, obviously on the Pacific, you're, you're flanked with the Pacific coast on one side and then the Caribbean on the other. Um, so as far as accessibility, I mean, even just for, for that exportation uh, strategy, it seems like it's an ideal country as well, right? Correct. Yeah. We're just, we're just above Panama where the Panama Canal zone is. And so yeah. it's just a short trip across the country. And so being able to create products here and base goods and, and distribute is going to be very beneficial. We've got a port on both sides of the country, as well as the Pan American International Highway runs from north to south all the way through, and it's yeah. it's kind of the bridge from Colombia and Panama, you know, north into uh, ultimately Mexico and the United States. And yep. so, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's strategically, it's got a great location. The climate's great. Um, you know, the, everything grows here. We have 
a, a handful of volcanoes that are have yeah. produced quite a bit of very luscious <laughs> and fertile areas with with soil and um you know we've got a lot of venting too so we have a lot of fresh water running water and springs and thermals coming out of the ground um over you know 98 99% of the power from this country all comes from sustainable energy here in country so thermal wind solar um we've got a lot wow. of different options so i think you know, at the end of the day, to me, cannabis has always been a race to the bottom. Let's figure out how cheap we can make it and, you know, and how big we can scale it. And I think that's kind of where it's headed uh, in, in the future. And so I'm excited for a country like this. It really has a great, uh, immense amount of resources at their disposal and can hit the market with um, with some high-quality products. And that's, that's what sure. I think is coming our way. That's awesome, man. And so kind of segueing into, because again, studying up on the government and noticed that quite a political change came, you know, when uh, there was a change in the guard, so to speak, um, in in the uh, government back in 2010. And then all of a sudden, you know, reading up on how um, they took a different approach towards uh, all drugs, but specifically speaking on cannabis, you know, during that time and uh, shifted some of those basic laws that were applicable. And now it's almost like, uh, you know, small consumption is is fine and is, you know, police are, are kosher with that. You start getting into something more than personal possession. That's another story. But I thought it was quite interesting that, you know, the conversations that are being had, to your point, in in that region, not just within that country, stepping back and looking at, are we taking the right approach? You know, having that influence from rather be the UN, um, which they got quite an influence from, you know, back in the uh, the 60s, um, all the way up towards more recent when they were, you know, collaborating with the US government and the war on drugs in, in the 90s and 2000s. So you're working direct with the government. I, I can only imagine what I studied on occurring back from 2010 to 2014 and then again another kind of segment of a pivotal shift in ideologies from 2014 to 2018 um they've come like leaps and bounds right because you are literally working firsthand with the government down there on this movement right correct yeah so i'll I'll give you my my average weekly schedule i spend four (laughs) days a week on a government facility in Cañas, Costa Rica, it's an experimental station where they do rice, corn, beans, sorghum, peppers, um, all kinds of different methods, looking at different genetics, uh, stabilizing seed crop, um, creating seeds for farmers. And so I've spent the last 15 or 16 months on their facility, um, basically teaching and working with a couple uh, government farm employees and with supervisors of the technology department. Uh, showing them how the plants grow, how to manipulate them, what the issues are, uh, just you know, creating kind of like a, a guide to growing cannabis in Costa Rica for the average farmer. Um, part of part of me signing onto this project with our company with with Roco Plants was that our research would be donated back to the small to medium sized farmers, and that we nice. would be able to help kind of c- create an opportunity for you know some impoverished areas. You know, I. I was blown away the first year I was here when I learned that sugarcane farmers make about $1,000 per acre per year profit. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, imagine Jeez. that's, you know, 80 bucks a month per acre. That's, yeah. that's not near enough money to survive. Yeah, ludicrous. Yeah. And so with hemp, we're able to drastically increase what they can make off of a single piece of land. And with hemp, it, it <clears throat> rejuvenates the soil. It's got yeah. building properties with materials and, you know, it's, it, it's just a it's it's a different way to approach you know profitability for farmers here and i think it's uh it's, we're cutting edge i mean 
you can see the re- the way the rest of the world is turning with you know plastic free and biodegradable products and really paying attention to to our footprint i think uh, hemp has a really great opportunity to solve a lot of those issues for us so excited 100%. about it that's very cool so kind of fast forwarding to uh now last month so what would this be october of 2021 that the congress passed uh, medical now we know it's it's sitting on the president's desk correct so that's still something that has to be tended to but um you were so close to that that was a little bit less of a surprise maybe for you but i think uh, you know better part of uh, you know, folks in the industry were pretty stoked to hear that. I don't think a lot of people were tracking Costa Rica, which is interesting. I still, I brought it up a few times in conversations, again, um, looking more into that market, having more conversations with you. And it's crazy because people in conversation be like, are you talking, Puerto Rico? And I'm like, no, Costa Rica, <laughs> not Puerto Rico. You're on the wrong side of the Caribbean, man. And it was yeah. so funny that that people just, it, it, it like it wasn't on their radar, but that wasn't a surprise, right? You felt like it seemed the government was that close and things were moving in that direction, right? Yeah, so so we went through we've been we've been working on bill 21388 and mm-hmm. there's uh, uh, Don Yazoila, um uh Volio his his who authored the bill uh, and I've been working with her back and forth kind of helping go through some of the regulations and definitions and just making sure, you know, she wrote this bill several years ago and yeah. she's been pushing yeah. for it for a while and you know, as we know, we've seen the Delta-8, HHC, we've all kinds of, of cannabinoids and processes and chemical conversions, and there's, there's a lot that changes in the cannabis space quite quickly, and so I've been trying to keep them updated on what's happening in the rest of the world, and then also trying to, you know, adjust some of the, the, the language and the verbiage so that it kind of encompasses and, and encapsulates some of those issues that, you know, we hope to not have in this country. So it's been... It's, it's been very nice to work with somebody that sees that potential and, and sees that we can make a difference and really write the best law possible. And, uh, yeah, I, I, they did the first debate, and, and we had 33 in favor and 13 against. And, um, unfortunately, a few of the diplomats here have decided that they wanted to contest the the uh, the, the language and, the, the I guess, the time that it took to get it passed, the constitutionality. And so... It's in Salacuatro, which is like their Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny today. I'm still waiting on an update, so I should get updated here at, at 5.15 or so um, today, and we'll see exactly what's changed and where we're going. But I'm, I'm confident that before the end of this presidency, I think we're going to see an, a new law, um, this bill pushed forward, and then I think it'll be up to this next uh, regime, which, by the way, in February we have a new president coming on board. So yeah. there's going to be a whole transition right here with – cannabis with the new powers at be and i think we're going to get a fresh you know a little bit of wind into this bill and law and push it forward so i'm excited uh, for beginning first quarter of 2022 hopefully we'll have this as a law and be able to start working on on pushing forward and regulations so nice and to your point i think yeah i do my homework like you said she's been working on it since i, I want to say it's like 2018 i mean this isn't yeah she's been uh, for a while this yeah is her baby <laughs> yeah exactly right and for those that don't follow politics much. This is obviously reality, not just in Costa Rica, but in countries around the world where Everywhere. even even Germany, I'm sure you heard the news, you know, the new, yep. you know, yeah, the new guards in, in office there, you know, this kind of blend of, um, you know, social slash liberal democracy type where all coming together and saying, yeah, let's move forward. I mean, it's a lot of people don't understand it wasn't just a decision overnight. There was a lot of foundational effort and focus from individuals like yourself in the private sector, but also those obviously representing on the, the government side 
um, that are constantly in the background trying to get things like this moving forward. So, yeah, congratulations, man. I know that's thanks, man. That's definitely it's huge. funny. People are always like, oh, it must be nice to have a government job and get paid to grow, you know, cannabis for <laughs> for a, another government. And I'm like, well, it doesn't exactly work like that. Yeah, you know, there was a bunch of companies that applied for it and. Believe it or not, it's funded, you know, by our internal funds and through our own company. And so we're actually the ones investing into the country to make sure that this happens without somebody proving the viability and collecting the data and being able to teach these guys about the control of the plant. You know, most people don't realize that cannabis has male and females. You, you can't yeah. put seed yeah. crops, you know, within a certain range of, of oil crops if you're growing for, you know, a plant that you don't want seeds in. Yeah. Uh, pollen can move an immense amount of area, um, especially with winds in a country like this. And so, you know, the Department of Agriculture and their technology department has been extremely, extremely patient. And we've gone through a lot of different scenarios and looked at a lot of different issues that this country will face that are, are unique to Costa Rica. You know, again, sugarcane is a huge crop area, and there's still some farmers that burn the sugarcane. So imagine, like, in, in wow. California, we were having ash flying yeah. and landing on yeah. outdoor crops and ruining crops. They do that every year here for the sugarcane, every year uh, around the end of the year. <laughs> so there's a lot of planning and looking at not just, hey, let's plant cannabis, but let's figure out how it doesn't affect other crops right now that are in the country and it balances out. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting being in, on, on this side of, of really the paperwork and, and not just looking like, why is this not illegal yet? There, there are some hurdles and some stuff to go through. And when you have a country, it's a lot like having a business. You've got to think about yep, what else it, it affects in your business. And so we've been going through and really looking at how to devise a plan to make it you know, as efficient for the farmers and as safe and so that everybody can be profitable and, and not suffer catastrophic uh, failure in their crops. Yeah. And that's, I think you point out something, again, excellent observation. We were talking about Columbia earlier and um, you know, going back to when I, I wrote up on that, it was crazy. I had a few friends down there, you know, in the industry, but um, born and raised, and they were talking about how uh, the U.S. government had dropped Asian orange on crops down there. And, and as recent, I learned in doing my study, I found a white paper uh, that was done by a student at MIT on this. It was as, uh, as recent as the 2000s when they were still dropping. And, and for those that don't know, modern-day Asian orange is essentially Monsanto's Roundup. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And so that was something that they're like, yeah, being that you know this plan is of the phytoremediation class, which we were briefly talking about there, um, you know, it, it sucks up all those heavy metals and all those contaminants in the soil, just like it, it can absorb and uptake, you know, the, the nutrients and elements it does need. And so they were sharing their frustration with just hectares and hectares of land that unfortunately, because of the war on drugs, uh, you know, that was funded by the U S government and fueled. Yeah. It's just, they're, they're ruined, you know, for, for this crop. And so it, it's crazy yeah, things like that, you know? Yeah, that's another thing, too. I mean, I'm, I'm very interested to look at in countries like this where there are already huge agriculture producers being able to take, you know, and cycle some of these long-term crops like, um, you know, coffee where they're in the ground for years and years and years, um, being able to go back and, and remediate some of that soil and add some, some added value back into it with hemp, you know, yep. running a couple cycles for a year. Yep. I think that their production for coffee will, will increase as well if they start looking at what the, the long-term effect of you know, of running cannabis through their fields and and, uh, and rejuvenating their natural soils. So, it's uh it's it's the beginning of a long process, uh, but it's it's exciting to watch. So, happy Very to be cool. part of it, and and you know we're we're really interested in sharing this opportunity with people too. And and that's you know kind of why we, you and I kind of got together and touched yeah, out. Is yeah. for me, it's 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 about designing an industry and the support system around it. And 
you know, one person can't come in here and design something and implement a, uh, you know, an, an entire country's protocols for how to grow and, and what they need. And, and uh, I'm, I'm very interested in, in bringing quite a few quality companies down here and, and people that can support this country in, in their goals, which is, you know, to become a quality cannabis producer in the market and, and to have a high-quality product that's looked uh, for import into uh, international spaces. Yeah, well, I'm excited. I told you I got my tickets. <laughs> Looking forward to coming down. I think that's a good segue into the event that you're having in early uh, 2022. So um, if you want to tell us a little bit about the Congress and, and what you have going on with that event, I'm, I'm stoked. I have to tell you, man, I'm really stoked for it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're calling it the Cannabis Congress. The website is thecannabiscongress.net or .com, either one. Uh, and basically, we've we've created a science and industry platform and, and medical. And so I've got Jeff Whaling and Chris Adella and quite a few different people from the medical and science field that will be coming down and, and sharing their knowledge and, and talking to, you know, hopefully up to 20,000 people that will be uh, attending this through the Parque Viva. Uh, is the facility, yeah. and uh, they'll be able to hear medical science cultivation, you know, the technology part of it. Uh, I just had a scientist here in the country, and we did uh, demonstrations for MAG, the Ministry of Agriculture, where we're actually able to predict the sex of the plant. We can t- check for hops latent uh, viroid in, the, oh, in wow. the plant, and we can also tell whether it's a CBD-producing plant or a THC-producing plant, you know, all from three days old. So, uh, you know, if you're starting to be a country and you're looking for feminization rates and you can take a bucket of seeds and, you know, germinate 50 seeds and if you get 50 females, then, you know, it's a femination, feminized bucket and it's complete. You can move on that genetic stock without having to worry about, you know, germinating seeds and having 50% males in your field. Um, There's a lot of little tricks and tools that, that are really important for this place and excited to, uh, you know, in January, the 27th, 28th and 9th, we'll have quite a few companies and experts that will will be able to pass that knowledge and share it here with Costa Rica and and uh, and hopefully be able to supply this country with uh, with the tools and the expertise that it's needed to to be successful yeah it's it's such a unique man again applaud for applause for all of your efforts I mean that's something that you almost wish that other countries took this approach you know some it's a little more knee-jerk and I think I think you summarized it well a lot of people don't realize everything is a business I, I I tell people it doesn't matter if it's a church or if it's a 501c3 or if it's a government or if it's uh, in and out it doesn't everything's a business everything has a PL. everything you have to analyze your opportunity and your risk and reward scenario and in you know aggregate that PL and all the rest of it and I have to say again, this is one country compared to others, and I won't call on any specific that, you know, we're just too quick to it. They were just too, you know, wanting to jump in with both feet and not really do this kind of analysis and this kind of due process and legwork in order to make sure that they did it the right way the first day, right? I mean, that's the biggest thing that you're talking about is is having the right things in play in order to set up this country. Um, and, and obviously, it will. To your point, it will affect the economy. It'll affect the people. I mean, all positivity, in my opinion. But you know, set them up for success from the start. You know, so again, yep. stoked on. on no, I, 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 I firmly agree, and I, I believe in this plant. Uh, you know, working with it, my dad, and, and watching the effect that it had on his tumor and extending his quality of life, and and um, you know, to me, is important. I think this is something that. You know, unfortunately, uh, with the war on drugs, has has been demonized and 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 placed into a category, and uh, it's we've lost seventy or eighty years of really hard research that I think would have you know who knows what we could have cured or or discovered if we had had the time and the uh, the technology to do so, 
and uh, now is our chance. This is kind of like a little renaissance for for psychedelics and and for you know plant based medicine, and I'm ecstatic to to be part of it and and also to share it with people too and, and show them how they can you know get away from pharmaceutical based drugs and chemicals and and really in, in enjoy their life and live a better life without it so. yeah that's very well put man and that's the thing i again was just having conversations with friends up in toronto getting up there for for lifting co and you know talking about things like that and helping them understand that you know pharmacy it, it gets into a lot of politics right you know a lot of politics and influence and all that but I explained it kind of just in, in layman's talking to a few uh, LP owners, and I'm like, it's just phenomenal how, and to pick specifically on the U.S., you know, we spent decades trying to get, uh, you know, our populace, albeit a segmented group, uh, post-Vietnam War off of, you know, these opioids, and then all of a sudden it just got Trojan horsed in by Big Pharma, and... It's interesting because people just don't understand that that even ibuprofen, ibuprofen and Tylenol, our bodies are not designed to process these chemicals in the way they are, you know, cannabis with our endocannabinoid, uh, endocannabinoid system, excuse me, um, you know, and talking again to, to scientists and to people far smarter than me that, you know, they go, yeah, it's just we can't uptake it. That's why you can consume 800 milligrams of ibuprofen a day because the intake, you know, you only absorb 50 percent of that. The other 50 percent flushes through. And so a lot of people don't understand, again, that, yeah, the solution is, in, in my opinion, it's it's of the earth. You know, Mother Nature is definitely onto something and there's a lot more remedies out there that our bodies are designed to work with than than what's been offered. So. I agree, man. A lot of catching up to do, uh, especially post uh, Nixon era and his war on drugs, which I think was the one that, you know, I mean, they, I tell people that, that the government was studying psychedelics and cannabis until Nixon declared war in 71. And they're like, really? And I'm like, I'll show you the studies. These are government funded studies. There's a, there's a studies. patent file with the U.S. government on cannabis being a neuroprotectant. Yeah. So, yep. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Even the government. I mean, that's again, because even the U.S. is a business and in many instances more of a mafia than the mafia, in my opinion. But I'll digress. Yes. But uh, that's awesome, man. So perfect. This is great. I mean, love to obviously hear what's going on again. I'm fully in support of it and am looking forward to getting down there. I have been, to your point, been sharing it with friends, especially those that, like you said, that have quality products that make an impact, mm -hmm. but also companies and entities that are about supporting the movement towards legalization and destigmatization and, and de-tabooism, I guess you'd say, of, of the plant, because that is kind of the undertone. There's so much more to it. Um, than just, oh, legal weed, like so many people 100%. think that's all it is. So awesome, man. Well, definitely appreciate hearing that. So for you personally, I kind of want to get a little bit of insight, a uh, bit of business aside. What's it like now? I mean, kind of, again, doing a bit of the studies, you know, personal consumption and, you know, a private amount for your own personal uh, seems to be an okay uh, you know, within reason. How How is the scene? I mean, you obviously, I know you're from Texas, so that's fairly conservative state, but you've also, you've been to California and Colorado, you've been to legal markets, you've been in, in the uh, industry long enough. What's the scene like down there for cannabis today? Um, you know, in the, I guess you can't even call it gray market, I guess in the underground scene, how is it compared to domestically here in the States? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, we are on the cocaine highway and, and Columbia yeah. passes quite a bit of stuff through Costa Rica. So we get, I guess, your typical brick weed <laughs> that's here, unfortunately. Wow. We use that term uh, so much as kids. That's so funny you mentioned that. <laughs> I, I think, the, I think the, the locals here call it like uh, caca de mono, which is like monkey poo. It's, oh, wow. it's just like <laughs> crushed brick weed. Um, but no, I mean, there's, listen, there's, 
there's a, a lot of growers here in this country, I think, that um, have been doing it personally uh, at their homes. And, you know, there's a lot of genetics from down in this, this area of the world that do fairly well. Um, so, you know, I think there's some, there's some quality stuff around here. And I, I know quite a few people that, you know, they grow at their homes and they have a few plants and it's for personal use. And it's never been a problem. You know, here it's it's more of a decriminalized state. So, if, yeah, yeah. you know, if, if you're on the beach smoking and a cop catches you, they're going to take it away from you and they're going to tell you that it's not allowed here and you're going to move on down the road and that's it. Uh, obviously, if you're selling it, that's the that's where the crime takes place, and, yeah. and it's like an eight-year uh, jail sentence here for selling marijuana. That's what I saw. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although it was, they were applauded. This was kind of interesting, man. I'm not sure if you were this. So the United Nations actually applaud their efforts on approach towards decriminalization because they pointed out the fact that they do take a uh, position based on the individual's. Um, uh, gender, for one, that, that they look at it, you know, if it's a woman of poverty who's trying to uh, sustain a quality of life for her and her kids uh, versus, you know, your typical, what we'd picture from our days of watching Miami Vice when we were little kind of drug <laughs> dealer, right? And I, I was like, wow, that's kind of interesting that even the UN would acknowledge that Costa Rica has taken this this different approach. And to your point, you know, hey, if, you, if you're really a trafficker, if you're a bad guy, you're going to do time. But obviously, even if you are an individual that's trafficking, it, they kind of look at based on circumstance. And I thought that was an interesting approach that I think kind of speaks volumes about, again, that government. It's not a black, white, cut and dry, you know, like some other, uh, you know, some other governments, even those that, that have decriminalized uh, to a certain extent for personal use. So it's interesting to hear that that what I'm learning is is really applied there. And it's not just, you know, someone's opinion on, on a white paper or on a, you know on a review of, of the Costa Rican cannabis scene. Um, but you make a good yeah. point too, right? A lot of stuff being being channeled up through South America, across the, the bridge in Panama and, and up the highway, um, through Nicaragua and Mexico, and eventually the US and Canada markets um, that obviously has a little bit of an impact and influence as well. You know, it's interesting to hear that that's still alive. It's not just something from the 90s or, or even early 2000s that it still technically exists. Yeah, it, it it's funny, and I, I run into a lot of people too that bring you know they get seeds from the states, so they bring gelato thirty three down here, and they put it in a pot <laughs> and they put it on their balcony, and they wonder why it doesn't look like the you know the pictures in the magazines and yeah, <laughs> something called you know, phenotype, I, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, you know, I mean, a, a lot of it goes to again, it's just it's people aren't educated, they don't understand. This isn't an easy plant. You just drop a seed in a bucket and you let it go. Yep. You know, I mean, you've yeah. got to keep balanced pH and soils have to be correct. And I mean, there's light regiments and, and air movement and, you know, bugs that you've got to watch out for and oh viruses and funguses. And, you know, imagine this, I'm, I'm doing a study here in the country with the government and I, I can't use any of the tools that you guys have in the States. No so kidding. my study was the viability of, coast, of cannabis in Costa Rica as it sits right now. So I could only go and buy supplies and products that were found in the country that were gotcha. legally here gotcha. uh, for use for agriculture products. Wow. So so you're familiar with neem oil. <laughs> yeah, neem Uses oil, more cinnamon, yeah. garlic. Oh, man. And it's crazy, <laughs> if it's though. A natural, if it's a natural, like, uh, 100% organic, I know exactly what it is. But it's great. I mean, that's the whole point is, is, it is. something like this yeah. and seeing if it can be done the way it is right now. Because if, if if tomorrow they legalize this and we can sell products, guess what? All of these fertilizers, all of these pesticides, it takes time to get those registered with governments. Oh, yeah. Go through their yeah. protocols. You've got to meet their safety requirements. 
this isn't like flipping a light switch on. There's a lot of prep work that has to be done in order to make sure that this industry is supported and successful. 100%. And so that's kind of the my my job or I guess my unofficial gatekeeper role here is I've been been really trying to get some quality companies and people down here to support this because it is definitely needed and the the opportunity is here. It's just preparing for that opportunity, like having a good business and making those plans and, and knowing what's coming. This is that time of, of, of setting ourselves up for success. Yeah, very well put. And and I have to say that that's, I think personally, I think that's awesome, you know, that they do say, hey, you know, what is the plausibility based on current state? Because to your point, I mean, myself being a, a home grower, you know, I've I've gone organic. I mean, my companion plants this year were basil and mint. And I, again, joking aside, I do actually use neem oil, you know, for, for yeah. you know, the budworms and all the rest of it. And so I, I love the fact that I can do it without... Um, any synthetics from soil to nutrient and without having to be dependent on pesticides or herbicides, you know, because that's just the global movement. That's the interesting thing I found, although it's unfortunately the U.S. has a lot further to go than than the EU or, or even LATAM with regard to moving back towards organic and back to Mother Nature as far as solutions around um, produce, plants and, and obviously anything we eat, really. But it, it's, it almost sounds like an awesome challenge, man. I guess is what I'm saying. As, as difficult as I'm sure it is for you, that's really cool to hear. And again, just reiterates their ideology towards moving forward with the legalization, you know? So definitely makes 100, sense. 100%, man. Technology and knowing what you have and how to predict it and what to do with it is, is crucial. And so having those tools, you know, we've been working here with a Can ID system. I, I don't know if you're familiar oh, yeah. with that. Yep. Uh, Cree Crawford and those guys, but we have a machine down here. I have a liquid chromograph machine in my office. Oh, so we're able to <laughs> not only grow it, but then also look at it and see what we actually have and compare it against COAs from the states from that particular genetics to see, did it do better in Costa Rica? Did it do worse in Costa Rica? You know, what were the average results for the plant as far as yield and, and materials that were generated? And and uh, it, it's fun, man. It's, it's kind of like having a a science experiment where you get to plug all these different variables in and, yeah. and uh, you know, having the experience of being on a farm and knowing what, what our ultimate goal is, it's, it's nice to kind of work the problem backwards and, and, and kind of design it in, in, in house. So. Yeah, very true. And I think that, you know, what you're speaking of exactly, you know, genotype, you know, the genetics is one thing you have your, your genophenochemo, chemo, right. And mm -hmm. the genetics is one thing. And that's what a lot of people don't understand And all plants do this. I don't mean to just segregate cannabis or, or hemp, but I mean, all of them, when it comes to pheno, and that's what, uh, you know, getting into the Appalachians project of Northern California. And thankfully they added that into prop 64, but that was a debate that kind of came up in conversation um, with uh, Peter from Future Campus Project was hosting an event and had Kevin Jodry and a couple just phenomenal rock stars from the industry mm -hmm. on the panel. And they were talking about, you know, if if you are talking about an Appalachia, let's just say, you know, Spire Rock up, up in, um, you know, the Triangle, you know, and you're able to take that soil and you're able to take that water. So all these common inputs, right? And then take those genetics and you do it somewhere else. Is that still recognized the same appellation? We're like, no, because you're not going to be able to emulate exactly what the, the cloud or the ambient or the RH. I mean, there's so many other variables that contribute. So it's interesting. And I, that, and I think that could be up to 20% difference. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Huge. I, I, I completely agree as well. And I've seen that firsthand. Um, I got genetics from a company this, this past year, uh, you know, did for this last season. Uh, it was a... Um, uh, Bubba Mendo, uh, Bubba Pre-98 Cross Mendo, and 
you know, just seeing I all the same soil again. I'm all natural, so I had all the same soil in this this planter box, and um, one of them popped male, so I had to pull that. But the other three, you know, even the the female, it was interesting the iteration between the three just from the exposure of light and shade within the environment. I was totally taken aback. I just kept uh, not to be a can of, you know, can of geek, but I kept taking pictures because I'm like I can't believe even just the the fan profile of the fan leaves was just so night and day between the one to the far left and the one to the far right. And it just proves that point. And I agree with you, the variables on the input with regard to phenotype, I, I think it could be up to a quarter influence on that overall, if not more, you know, like you're yeah. saying. But I, I also, I have to say that's, you know, a lot of people, oh, you know, why do you call this, not that? What I reference cannabis because that's, a, you know, the scientific term for the kingdom mm -hmm. class is Correct. obviously cannabis sativa. Um, and I know some people have their opinions. I, I am the same. I kind of avoid calling it a weed and it's not, I don't think there's anything bad. It's a great slang term. Google loves it, all the rest of it. But exactly what you said, man, it is, a weed is something that grows no matter what input it has. It just grows whether you're looking to or not. Whereas like you said, as much as this could be considered a plant that's easier to grow than, than other plants, orchids, et cetera. This is still one of those plants that it doesn't just grow on its own wild. If you really want to make an influence on it, like you said, you have to control the pH of the water, the pH of the soil, you know, all of the inputs, all of the nutrients, all those things are all influences on it. So, I mean, all of them make an impact, man. It definitely is a, definitely is more than just a weed at the end of the day. So, yeah, well, my wife always used to joke with me. She used to love when I buy her flowers, so now I just grow her flowers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly true. Well, perfect, man. I Again, I'm so stoked, Dan, for us to be able to catch up. I'm very much looking forward to the event uh, coming up in the, a few months away, man. I bet you're already stressing a little bit. but oh, it's, um, it's crazy. We, we actually right? just got a huge um, title sponsor, and so we're going to be making some big changes this week that will come out. Um, and so... Super excited to announce, uh, you know, these guys signing on and, and, and coming on board as our lead guys, and it's going to be a huge help for this industry. So, yeah. congratulations um, on that from me. And we're stoked to support from a Green Bros. We're definitely excited to be supporting it and coming down there as well. It's it's a great. Oh thing man, I can't wait to get one of those units in our in our plant science center <laughs> down here, so people can come see it, demo it, understand what it is. Yep. And uh, man, it's it's all about education. You got to put stuff in front of people and teach them how to use it. You know, if, if not, what's going to happen is they're going to go online and they're going to get ripped off by some company. You know, overseas, it's going to sell them a piece of junk that yep. you know doesn't really perform like it's supposed to. That's You've got to go to to tried and true industry professionals. You know, we put these machines through hell every day, and they've got to perform. I mean, That's the machine it, man. Is down is lost money. So, we really true. want to get some some quality companies down here that can can help us uh, help us perform. That's it. That's it, man. Awesome. Well, it's great, Dan. Definitely stoked on catching up with you. We'll be in touch a bit more. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Looking forward to catching up live in a few months. Sounds good, buddy. Looking Perfect. forward to it. See you in Costa Rica. All right. Thanks again. All righty, everyone. Thank you again for tuning in to yet another episode of Cure to Consumption. It's always a pleasure. Until next time, take care of yourselves. And remember, it's all about good vibes. Thanks again. Until then. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio.